What's up, everybody? Today is Tuesday, October the 8th, and this is the J-Doug Show on Anchor Podcast. On the docket today, we got a little bit of everything going on today. I'm trying to jam-pack so much in this episode, it's not even funny. Uh, first and foremost, I need to get it out of the way. I started this podcast all the way back at the beginning of the season, and I have only listed three episodes. Uh, I had something happen after the Atlanta race and got it all squared away after the uh, summer months, but decided whether I uh, was debating whether I should should bring it back, and here I am. So <clears throat> I just wanted to tell you that I apologize. It was not my intention to do it that way, and uh, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to finish out this season. Uh, we're going to see who our champion is. We're going to bring you as much DFS uh, information as I possibly can so you can win some money on DraftKings and uh, just basically change the tune of the show a little bit uh, to include uh, just talking about NASCAR. That way, you know, maybe some of y'all can interact with me on my page on Facebook and uh, we can talk about NASCAR. We can talk about D, uh, DFS for DraftKings and, um, you know, and, and, and like I said, some of the people that, that have listened understand that I, I'm not I, I'm not a huge fan of just posting picks. Um, I like to teach because if I if I teach you how to play, someone taught me how to play. And if I teach you how to play, then um, you can you can build better better lineups. I mean, because there's a lot to it. It's not just getting the best six players and you know plug and play. It's not that simple. Uh, there's a strategy to it. Uh, there's a way to win and there's a way to lose, and I try to teach you how to win. So with that all being said, I'm going to start off by talking about what happened to Dover. I'm going to talk about the DFS at Dover uh, for the DraftKings and um, just kind of get right into it. So at Dover, uh, we had a high downforce package, which I don't know why in the hell they brought that package back. That doesn't even makes sense to me why they brought that package back. Um, I, I think that if they would entertain what I like to call the goop, putting some of that goop down or PJ1, whatever you would like to call it, uh, put it down in the turns, maybe in the high line or uh, to, to give those guys some more grip or in the low line, whichever one they, they, they see fit, but um, or just changing the package for places like Dover and Pocono, places that this, this high downforce just, just does not work very well. Um, but, yeah, watch the race. You know, the only chance you had to pass somebody was on pit road, in my opinion. I mean, we saw a few passes during the race, um, but it was few and far between. And, uh, you know, just, just pretty boring, you know. I mean, it's just a pretty boring race. You had Mr. Hamlin leading a couple hundred laps. You had uh, Mr. Larson lead a, uh, lead a bunch of laps, and and then you had Truex lead some. And then of course on pit when everybody pitted, you know you had your every now and then for, you know crazy leader doing this that and the other, staying out, whatever. So go ahead and get the whole congratulations out to uh, Mr. Larson. He finally, after 75 tries, decided to keep his car out of the wall and not hit somebody and um so I'm, I'm happy for him glad that he finally he finally got that done he he's 
I'll just be honest with you. Watching Kyle race is 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 so frustrating. He's got so much talent. He could he could do so much with it. He just for some unknown reason he he likes to race for the win on lap two. So I don't understand what's the, what what that's all about. But that's that's uh, that's what he does. But every now and then he'll figure it out and uh, he'll win him a race. And uh, man, but if he could ever just calm down for these. Uh, for these races, uh, <laughs> man, he he could win a bunch of races if he would if he would just calm down and not push his car so so much in the beginning. Um, so so yeah, Kyle Larson won the race. That that was really good. Kept his car out of trouble. Uh, but the thing that I think is a little more interesting, talking about going forward, is when Hamlin got out of the car and did his post race interview. He decided he wanted to throw a little shade towards Logano, and because uh, earlier in the earlier and in, later in the race, Mr. Logano was 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 getting in Hamlin's way and many other drivers' way, and he was 23 laps down, and uh, Hamlin was not very thrilled about it, and a lot of people were saying that. You know, Logano shouldn't even have been out there, or whatever. But uh, there's a couple different thoughts about that. I mean, you know, the previous week at the at the Roval, we had Kyle Busch decided to get off the track early, and everybody criticized him for that. And now we got Mr. Logano uh, wanting to stay on the track, and everybody's criticizing him for that. So I think people need to just understand that whatever these race teams choose to do is what they choose to do. Uh, If it ruffles some feathers and someone wants to get them back for getting in their way later on, then I mean, that's just what they deserve. And that's, I mean, it's racing, man. I mean, there's no right, no wrong, in my opinion. You know, you want to, you want to wreck somebody or get in someone's way and hold them up and keep them from winning. Well, you got to expect, you know, them possibly doing the same thing to you. You can't just expect everything to go perfect. So, I mean, what Logano did, I mean, he, he literally said that he had four spots he could have gained, which he did. And uh, needless to say, they weren't right in front of him. But he did have four spots to get, and that was that's four extra points to the championship. That You know, I mean, Denny needs to understand that. You know, and then also on the flip side, you know, Logano needs to understand that Hamlin is racing for a win you know, going for the win, and, and he's in his way holding him up. So, I mean, like I said, that's why I say it's racing, because, you know, Logano has him an idea and he has him an objective in, in whatever place he was in, 20-something place, and Hamlin has him an objective. And if, if those two objectives get in the way, I mean, that's why they put all those cars on the track. That's what makes it a sport. Is that you got to get around one another. This is not. This is called racing. This is not called move. Get the hell out of the way. This is called racing. And Logano was racing. He was racing for a spot, and so was was Hamlin. So both of them are right, and both of them are wrong. So I think. But I think going forward, uh, I think that we can just at least look at it and kind of pay attention to it. If it pops up, then we can come back and say, well, it happened here at Dover, and you know everything will be fine. But we also had Mr. Truex decided that he wanted to yell at a couple people and threaten to wreck them, which I don't understand that. Um, he had more than enough reason to let wreck Logano uh, in previous seasons and never did. Uh, I, I just think that's an empty threat there. I, I don't think Truex just isn't that guy, man. He doesn't wreck people on purpose. He doesn't do anything. He's not a dirty driver, you know, and he just – 
he's not going to wreck anybody. So I really don't understand why he would get on the radio and say that he was going to wreck somebody when we all know he's not. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure if they wreck, because he actually told him on the radio to, to radio up there. I think it was to Byron, I believe. I could be wrong about that. But he told him to radio up there and talk to him. And I'm sure they just laughed it off coming from Truex. I mean, knowing Truex wasn't going to wreck anybody. So, you know, we had that going on. Other than that, Chase Elliott blew up. That was horrible. Um, that really put him back in the standings. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Put him back in the standings. And, um, you know, I mean, so basically we had, you know, Logano mess up with, early in the race, and then Chase blew up, and then we had a couple little altercations, nothing major after the race that we can just kind of keep an eye on and kind of see what um, – what happens with that so after dover we got you know carl larson uh is in the lead uh, in the in the championship points he got truex behind him hamlin in third kyle bush fourth harvick fifth you got kozlowski sixth you got bowman seventh you got byron eighth and they're all the top eight that are uh, above the cut line and then below the cut line, you have Joey Logano that's even with Byron, but Byron has the tiebreaker on him. Then you got Mr. Boyer. He's 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 in um, 10th spot, four points back. Then you got Chase Elliott, 11th, seven points back. And you got Ryan Blaney uh, in the 12th spot under the cut line, fourth car under the cut line, 22 points back. So... Just looking at that, just looking at the points, uh, really don't see unless they just have an absolute horrible day. Well, we are talking about Talladega coming up, so, I mean, anything can happen there, right? Um, but we have the top five cars, Larson, Truex, Hamlin, Bush, and Harvick, with Harvick being 42 points back and everybody else is more than that, uh, I mean, 42 points to the good above the cut line. So it's going to, it's going to take a really horrible day to take them out. Um, I just don't, I don't see it. I mean, maybe one of them, you know, but then, then you got, then you got uh, Kislowski, Bowman and Byron that are above the cut line, but they're not, you know, 20 points back or 20 points above the, the cut line. So, um, you know, just something to, something to think about. Don't really have a pick at this point because of uh, it's just it's just a it could be anybody at this point. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to make a pick at this point. I, I think any, I think there's a couple people that really could be a, a big factor in, in in the championship. I think that uh, Bowman's coming around. He's got him two top fives in a row. I think that's the first time <clears throat> in a long time, if not ever. And he's he's learning how to uh, to put that car in the top five consistently. Um, and, and, and as we've seen before, you know, Joey Logano won the championship, and he did it um, by being Mr. Consistent. And then he won him, and then he won the race, and you know, won him a championship. And uh, you know, that's the that's the name of the game. I mean, you know, if you get to Homestead, you got a shot. You know, that's, that's all you really need. So, 
you know, I think Bowman's someone to to definitely watch. We'll see if Larson can continue his his good streak. He's got his his one race streak he's got going here, and uh, then of course you got your normal players with uh, with Truex, Harvick, and Bush. So um, I think that when it comes to Tal uh, Talladega, though, I think that you know, I mean, some of those big big guys and big players up there, they're just going to be looking to play defense. I mean. And the way you play defense at Talladega is with your offense. I mean, you 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 can't be in the back of the pack. You have to be in the front. Uh, that's my opinion. I'm sure people differ on that, but that's my opinion: is to stay up front, be offensive, is the best defense. And so, I mean, the carnage that could happen at Talladega is unreal. So, but just to kind of wrap up Dover. I uh, want to talk about the, the Dover DFS, the Dover DraftKings Daily Fantasy, uh, talk about how I built the lineups that I built. Um, I I personally placed 30th out of 15,000 people. Uh, that was the big tournament. That was the $25,000 tournament first to first place. Uh, I placed 30th, and um, I just kind of want to talk about how I came up with that, that way y'all can kind of follow my lead on that as far as how I do it. And then we can kind of take that rinse and repeat on some of these other tracks. Uh, Talladega that is coming up is going to be a different beast, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So when it came to Dover, the one thing that I like to do is to go back and look at the past two years Every now and then I'll jump into that third year, but since we've changed the package so much, two years is, in my opinion, as far back as I like to go. So I did 2019, 2018, and it gave me, you know, some pretty good data. Uh, I also took a glance at Homestead. I took a glance at Darlington. Those are both kind of similar tracks. Uh, similar, they're not exactly so. Some don't 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 jump me here because I know they're not identical. But I know that's just where I go to for my data. So uh, that's just the tracks I look at. I do rely on Dover more than I do the other ones. But um, so when I went back and looked at I, what I like to do is have me a little chart, and I will have a chart for every single driver. And I will lay out basically where they started, where they finished every single time. And then I will tally up the DraftKings points, which that's not hard to do. Just go to DraftKings uh, NASCAR points at their, at, on their website, and it shows you the points they get for finishing. And then you can tally up the, the place differential um, yourself. I mean, it's really simple to do. But I, put, I write down, you know, around what they would get for the DraftKings points for those races. And then I would go and find the drivers that have value and 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 the way that when I, when I say value I mean you're looking for a driver that is going to hit 6x or better uh at Dover you have some drivers that will hit 5x 4x and still be um in the winning lineup but for the most part six and five X is your goal. If you can get a lineup to where you're hitting six X, you're going to win some money. You know, you might not win the tournament because like, for instance, Kyle Larson, the way you figure out value and how many 
X it is, is let's say, oh, I know, I think Kozlowski was $10,000. So that's an easy number. Kozlowski at Dover was $10,000. So he would have to get 60 points, you know, 10 times 6, 60, 60 points to hit value. Now, I do understand that, and everybody needs to understand that if he gets more than that, great. You get a driver that gets 10x, like Larson was 9,700. I think he had 100 points right at it. Hamlin was 10,7, and he had 108 points or something. I mean, I don't know what that is. Was that 10x or something? I don't know. Somewhere around there, you know. And and, and that's and that's what and that's definitely going to be in the winning lineup. You can't take that. But that's what you're looking for is at least 6x, 5x, you know, drivers to to get in the winning lineup. Uh, because that's that's what it's going to take six six or more x, and then every now and then like you have one guy like like this week, the the value guy, um, that was lower priced was was Bubba Wallace. He was the one that edged out Michael McDowell, and then the guy that that I picked which was Ricky Stenhouse. Um, he edged him out by like a point or two, and that's all it takes when you. When, and I think he got five x. I think he was fifty three hundred, and he came out home with. 33 points and so I mean that actually might be 6x I think it is 6x it is so anyway that's what it takes to 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 win one of these tournaments and so I'll make a chart for every driver show where he started and finished in every every race and then I'll kind of calculate some base some basic points for what they possibly would have got then I go back and I look who led laps at those races and I'll give them those points because you get a quarter a lap for um, when, when you lead a lap, you get a quarter of a point. When you get a fastest lap, that's the ones that are hard to figure out how to get the fastest, how to tally up those. So I don't even tally those in for anybody whenever I'm figuring it all up. I just do lead laps and I do their draft king, base draft king points for where they finished and uh, place differential. That's three of the four that you get points for, three of the four markers that you get points for. And uh, that's... Um, I'll give them, and if you tally them all up the same way, then it's just, it's fair across the board. So anyway, I'll tally all of them up and see who hits who who hits value and how many times they've hit value over the last five Dover races or over the last four Dover races or whatever races you want to look at, the Darlington race, the, the, uh, the Homestead race or whatever, and just see how many times they hit value. See how many times they hit 6X, you know, and if you have a driver that, you know, hit 6x, like for instance, Daniel Suarez, he hit value five times out of five. You know, I wanted him in a lineup, and he did pretty good. You know, but he's someone that you would definitely want exposure to. How much exposure? I don't know, but you you definitely would want exposure to him. So, you know, and then you have other people like, like Bowman. He was like two or three out of five. He hit value. So you might want to put them in 60% of your lineups. You might want to put them in 40% of your lineup. It just it, it, it just gives you a, a, an idea of if he if he if he's going to hit value. Plus the other thing it does is it shows you where he starts versus where he finishes. And so for instance, if you look at uh, for, let me just throw someone out here, Kozlowski again. I can remember he started in the back a lot. Uh, in the teens anyway, not the back, but he started in the teens, you know, early 20s in a couple of races, and then he would race up to 10th. Well, you can see a pattern like that. So if he always starts 20th and finishes around the 11th spot or thereabout, and he has the same pattern, you can kind of know that if he starts 20th in the current race, he might 
just get up to 11th. You know, I mean, if he's showing a pattern of that. The other thing you can look at is if he starts in the teens the last five races and he drives up to 11th, but then this race he qualified fifth, well, then you might want to refer back to the practice speeds and see if he's fast. If he just kind of shows so-so speed, then you might be worried because if he just qualified good but has the same car that he had in the past and is going to perform the same as in the past and finish 11th, well, that's negative six points. So you take you take 12th spot or wherever he finished, 12th spot is 42 points, I mean 32 points, and then you subtract the, the amount from, you know, say he started fifth, so seven points. I mean, seven, 32 minus seven is 25. I mean, that's, I mean he's $10,000. He's not going to hit value. You know, he'd have to lead a whole bunch of laps for him to do that to uh, to hit value. So, and that's just kind of how I look at it. But, you know, and, and you'll narrow your, your player pool. That's, that's what you're trying to do by looking at trends from the last five races versus where they qualified for this current race before it starts to kind of see if they're in the same ballpark. If they're not in the same ballpark, then I take a little more time kind of looking at practice speeds, looking at average speeds, stuff like that to see if he has a really fast car because like I said, if he's not if he's not in the same trend that he has been in the last five or six races, then you're gonna have to treat him as if he's just gonna finish like he always has if he's not trending better, if he's not showing top five speed or whatever. You know, you're gonna have to treat him as as if he's gonna finish like he did, you know, previously. And and that's just how I do it. So once you get the player pool and once you do all that then I, of course you know same thing i went over in one of one of my earlier episodes is something i really like to do is like if they have two practices the first practice is usually qualifying practice which i mean some teams will throw some race runs in there and that's okay but it's mostly qualifying practice at, at some track and like i said some tracks are different some t- tracks have impound races and all that kind of stuff but on a normal week you will have the two practices qualifying and then a race. And I understand sometimes it changes, but I'm just kind of giving you a basic rundown here. But what I like to do is, is I like to take both practices and average the two practice times together. For instance, like for Bowman, I'll put his two, his, his practice one, his practice two time together, average it out, and then I'll put them in order from fastest to slowest. And it jumbles up the field pretty good, but it shows you who was fast because qualifying trim and race trim is when you when all those variables are put into the same thing, you get a couple different things. One, you, you know, when they start the race, they're going to run fast for a couple of laps, then they're going to slow down and just be consistent. Well, if you have all those variables in play, uh, when you when you have Q trim, race trim in, in practice one, and then race trim in practice two, and you you merge all that information together and get an average, you're basically, in my opinion, you're kind of simulating the race where the first five laps are going really fast and then they're going to slow down and kind of go at a pace and try to just, you know, ride in line and just kind of take what the car gives them, which is race, which is just, you know, racing, not pushing it in the beginning and racing and getting to the end. So it kind of gives you the whole, everything you need in one variable and you put them in order and it kind of gives you an idea of who's really fast, who's really slow. It helps me out a lot with the value guys because there's more separation in the back of the field as far as speeds is concerned. Um, even though we are talking talking about tenths of a second in the back, we're talking about two or three tenths, but that's a lot of a, that's a big gap when you when you're looking for some advantage um, in, in a race. So once I get all this stuff put together um, and I and I get my my field, I do all that analysis and get my field 
all narrowed down into 17 drivers, I will start really diving into their starting position because when you really look at it at Dover, you know that you're going to have most of the time two people um, that are going to be your dominators, and those are the ones that are going to get your fastest laps and your lead laps. Then you're going to have a third car that is going to what I like to call like finishing position where he starts closer to the front, maybe top 10, 12, and he's going to finish somewhere in the eighth position. I know at Dover we've seen it before where someone starts third and they finish sixth and they're in the winning lineup. Just depends who it is. But just remember, you've already picked and you've narrowed your pool, that pool down to a certain number of drivers that all of that you're all you're happy with that have hit value several times in previous races and that are showing good speed in practice and you know and you've narrowed it down to 12 to 17 drivers that you feel really good with so really what you what you've narrowed down to is is a player pool that that really uh, is is good to choose from you really can't go wrong with with any of them so now what you got to do is take those 17 and kind of break them up into starting position you know break them up into um, you know what I the way that I like to do it is I'll break it down from dominators and then I'll break it down into finishing position which is someone in the top 12 or 13 that's going to finish you know in the top five or top 10 and then I'll have place differential which is anybody further back that's going to come to the front and in, in the Dover races this is where I'm talking about the, the building the lineups and NASCAR uh, DFS is just so critical because you have to know who you need as a player. So you might have, I mean, and, and you're trying to maximize your, your your money. So you know you have to have two dominators. So what I like to do is go with A, B, and C. What are your three top most likely dominator combinations out there? You know, so looking back at the Dover race, my number one most obvious dominator opportunity was for Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin to to lead that race. They both showed tremendous speed. They both showed that they were decent. You know, Kyle Larson was number one from the fifth best average to the 30th best average. And, and Denny, I think, was like fifth or sixth and had really good short run speed. So I knew he was, and he showed that in practice. So I knew Denny was probably going to lead laps. I knew Larson was probably going to get up there and lead sometime later. Uh, did not know Hamlin was going to lead 200 laps, but, you know, 200 plus laps, but he did. And that's okay. If you have him picked, then you're good. All you're hoping at this point is that you matched Hamlin with the correct second dominator or third dominator. It is possible. Um, and I'll get into that later on. But the most common at, at Dover, and I will be posting what's the most common every single week. I'll be having it in my podcast so y'all kind of know the lineup construction that you need to go with. The most common lineup construction over the past several, you know, whatever race we're looking at races, and it'll kind of give you an idea of what to look for. But anyway, so you had Hamlin and Larson, and then in my opinion, I thought that it was possible that Larson could, since he was so stinking fast and, and all the averages in practice and was killing everybody, I thought it might have been him and Harvick. And then my other one was like Hamlin and Truex. And I thought that, you know, that was just, you know, and that was just my conviction on, you know, the three possible outcomes. And so 
once you do that, then you have to figure out how much percentage you're going to put one of these drivers in. And so, uh, Larson, I, you know, I just, I've always told people when I teach them how to play this game, make a conviction somewhere every single week. Like I usually pick one or two drivers and I just, I just go crazy with them. And, uh, Larson was that guy this week. He was the only guy that I felt that way about. So I put him in 80% of my lineups. Then I matched him with Hamlin. I put Hamlin in 50% of my lineups. I also put Harvick in 50% of my lineups and I put, Martin Truex, and I think 30 or 40% of my lineups, I wasn't as sold on Martin Truex, but um, I didn't want to leave him out because he's he, he's such he's got such the hot hand right now. So uh, definitely wanted to put him in there. Um, so then, so now we've got the dominator situation figured out. You're going to want to mix and match, you know. So I said Hamlin and and Larson was my most popular my most popular uh, situation. So then at that point, I like to go to Who's next on my list that I'm so confident about, like most confident about? And that guy for me uh, was Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman showed at Dover that he was top notch. He, he's finished really close to the front the last couple of times. And uh, the Hendrick cars, that's the, other, that's the other trick that I do and a, a lot of good DFS players will do. If you have an organization like Hendrick or Joe Gibbs and the whole crew seems to have good speed or if – three of them have good speed and the other one's kind of lacking a little bit, I'll still go with that fourth person because that's an organization that wants all four cars to do well. And if three of them are fast, there's a good chance that the night before the race, they, they are known for changing their setups if it's just not working in practice. And they'll ch change it to one of their one of their uh, teammates' setups to see if it works for them. And it's worked several times. I mean, so uh, if, 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 if uh, someone is just showing that they might be fast, but you can't really tell, look at their other teammates. See if they're fast. You know, if their other teammates are fast, then, you know, it's worth throwing them in there 20%. You know, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth it. So Bowman was that guy for me. He showed that he was really fast. So I put him in 40% of my lineups, and I just kind of went down. So in my lineup now, I have Hamlin, Larson, Bowman, and then you kind of just go down that list, and you go down the list, and you, you go to the next player. Who's the next player that I'm so sold on? Well, for me, that was Matt DiBenedetto. I thought that that 95 car with Casey Kane in it, when I look back on it, he finished 20th. I think he finished 18th one time. The last time here, um, DiBenedetto finished 18th or 20th, something like that. And, but, but in the middle of the season, that 95 car, had some huge strides. They hit, they hit a whole nother gear. So I was giving them a plus five <clears throat> extra spots because they really hit another gear. They're finishing a lot higher than they finished earlier in the season, and they're finishing a lot higher than Casey Kane did last year. So I gave him some extra spots. And so he was my next guy that I felt like, you know, he, he, was, he, he definitely had a good chance to hit value and um, has been fast and showed fast in practice. And I mean, I just, that was just one guy I was sold on. So I put him in there. And then the next guy for me was Suarez. Suarez was, man, he's lights out. He was five for five at Dover. I just wasn't going to give up on him. And then my last guy, you had, you had five, I think four or five guys to choose from. You had, you had Stenhouse, you had Michael McDowell, you had David Reagan, Bubba Wallace, and I think maybe, he was either Ross Chastain or Castle. I don't remember which. But anyway, so with that, you kind of mix and match. And I put a bunch of lineups in. So I've got my whole lineup built with guys that I'm really confident about. You know, I'm really, you know, I've nailed them out and I've, I've done all this research and, you know, I've, I've nailed out those five drivers. So what I like to do with the value guys is, you know, 
at Dover, the one thing going that we know going in at Dover is that you have to have speed. You know, the lower budget teams don't have that speed. They're going to be lapsed down. Now, the other teams that are back there, like the Bubba Wallaces, the Michael McDowell's, the Chris Bushers, that was the other one. That was the other one. Uh, just hit. They all are are are. I'd say mid-tier teams. They're not low-budget teams. They're mid-tier teams that, that can compete with the big boys most of the time. And so you just don't know. You kind of got to give them all a shot. I mean, I know that that's crazy to say. I will tell you that, in my opinion, Stenhouse was way faster than any of them. Uh, so he was my – you know, that, that was going with my strategy, who is the next one that I'm sold on, and he was the guy. But I also took him – after I built that lineup and submitted it, I went back and put those first five initial guys in that I came with, and then I put in another guy. Well, for some unknown reason, I don't know. It was just the way that I looked it up, and this is why I placed 30th. Um, Bubba Wallace never finished above 24th, and he started 25th. I mean, he's just not going to hit value that way. And from now on, I'm never going to I'm, I'm going to go with the strategy I've always gone with, which is always make a lineup with each one of those guys back there. Those those the Chris Bushers, Bubba Wallace, Michael McDowell, David Reagan, you know, um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon. You know, you have to put them in a lineup uh, unless they're just showing that they're nothing. I mean, they have to be complete garbage for me not to put them in. Because, like I said, you've built a lineup with five dudes that you're sold on. Those guys back there, you just – it's hard to tell which one's going to do well. I mean, all it takes for them to hit value is to move up four or five spots. I mean, they start 25th, they come up to 20th, boom, they're in. You know, they go to 30th, they start 30th, they come up to 23rd, and boom, they're in. They're, they're, they're hitting 6X all day. They're only five grand, and, and that's, how it, that's how it happens. And so you can't really leave them out. You have to, like, get your top five dudes – uh, because you can't do that with a Suarez at $7,000. He can't just move up four or five spots and hit value. So you have to kind of make your five, make your gut picks with the first five, what you feel good about, then throw one of those guys in the back and just kind of go. I, what I like to do is just put them in order. Say, you know, like last week, Stenhouse was my favorite. Michael McDowell was my second favorite, you know, and so on and so forth. And then I'll just Plug and play. Take one out, put the other one in. Take one out, put the other one in. And just submit the lineups that way with my top five guys that I like. And then after I get done doing all of that, if you're putting in more than, you know, <clears throat> 10 lineups, because pretty much if you're going to do what I just said, that's, you know, close to 10 lineups, probably six, seven, eight lineups. So if you're going to do more than 10 lineups, then what I like to do is go with a conviction in the back with two or three of those guys, Stenhouse or, you know, Michael McDowell, pick three of them or so that I that you feel really good about, and then plug and play some of the guys in the middle. Like you can take out a De Benedetto, you can put in a Ryan Newman, you can take out a you know a Bowman, you can put in a Kurt Busch, or you know someone else that's in your 17 driver player pool or 12 driver player pool, and you plug and play those guys. You just take one out, put another one in, or you can take two out and put two in. You know that's kind of how you do it. With the lineup, you know, you want to make a conviction with your dominators. Like I said, you've picked three, so go with those three. You have to figure out how many times you're going to play those three different dominator lineups. But then you just plug and play everything and, uh, you know, see how it comes out. You know, I mean, that's kind of how you do it. But you just go from from your favorite to your least favorite. And you kind of – I know it sounds complicated, but if you follow the method of finding your favorite lineup, getting back to the back, you got one – one guy in the value guy in the back that you got to throw in, but there's five of them to choose from. Well, make a lineup with all 
with all five of them. Take, you know, have, you have your five initial guys, throw in one of those dudes, and then after you get done doing that, nail out three of those value guys that you want to put in a lineup and start plugging playing the other guys in the middle because you've already you've already made a conviction on your on your dominators and so next next thing you do is you make your conviction on your dominators and your value guys and then you throw in your finishing positions in the center and pl plug and play a couple of those and you come up with a few different lineups that could that could that could win and uh, but the one thing the biggest mistake people will do is that they'll put in so many different types of lineups they will put in you know Hamlin and Harvick and Hamlin and, and, and Larson and Hamlin and Truex and Hamlin and Elliott and Hamlin and, and, and Kozlowski and Kozlowski and Harvick. I mean, you got to make a conviction somewhere. That's why you do all this research to nail down your, your, your place. So when, just to kind of recap Dover, you had to have two dominators. You had to have a couple different uh, finishing positions uh, uh, and a couple different place differentials. And when you know that, and you and you're plugging in all, in your opinion, six X dudes, then you know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get the most for your. your you've already you've already done the research. You're showing their base points, what you think around what they're going to get, because you you've done the research of where they finished before, and you kind of get an idea of that. Trust me, it's amazing how clear it's going to come to you about around where they're going to finish and you just look up what their base points would be and stuff like that so you kind of know and you plug and play and you know come up with a lineup so you make a conviction on your dominators and go down the list and then once you've got your favorite lineup set aside go back with the same initials lineup and then just change the value guy the cheap guy in the back change him do that until you're satisfied and you've used enough of the cheap guys then make a conviction on the cheap guys along with your dominators and then change the guys in the middle and when you do that now you're coming up with some really good lineups and really good chance of hitting and um, so at Dover I think the winning lineup was Hamlin, Larson, Bowman, DiBenedetto, Suarez and who is the last one that I didn't play oh Bubba Wallace that was the other one so but I will tell you I had all that stuff I just had Michael McDowell and I had um, Ricky Stenhouse was my favorite so anyway so that's kind of how I did Dover now all that stuff I just said take it off the table for Talladega um, I'm not going to get into Talladega a whole lot I will tell you that from what I've seen and what I know about Talladega Finishing position is the only thing that matters. Um, you will have a lineups where five guys will come from the 20s and 30s, and one guy will come from the teens, or one guy will come from the top 10 that led a few laps. Like if if Kozlowski starts in the top 10 and he leads a bunch of laps, and then he'll be in the winning lineup along with everybody coming from the back. So um, that that's a normal winning lineup um, and yes I'm talking about all the junkie guys in the back they all are in play here so I will also I will make a podcast about uh, my favorite picks at Talladega I will break down you know what I found in my data uh, I, I do encourage you to make a make a list make a chart write down all the drivers from the entry list what I like to do is go to jayskis.com j-a-y-s-k-i.com Find the entry list, write down all the drivers, make a chart for them about 
the last, you know, four, five, six Talladega and Daytona races. Favor the Talladega races. Use the Daytona races to back up your data from Talladega, but really give more emphasis on your Talladega data. Um, and you'll see what jumps off the page as far as who's finishing where and stuff like that. Then after you get all of the finishing positions done for the Talladega and Daytona races for the past ones, then go to DraftKings.com, look up NASCAR points and how they do them, and look up their base points. You can look up, you know, they went from uh, the best way to do it. They went from 22nd to 12th. Well, 12th is 32 points, and you add 10 points coming from 22nd. So now you have 42 points. And then you look and see what their what their price is on DraftKings. And if they're, you know, being 42 points, if they're $7,000, well, that's 6x. So that would be a guy that's in play. You know, if you do that math and it doesn't come in play, then, you know, it does not going to work. But then after you figure out the guys that have hit value the last five or six races or, you know, are the guys that hit value more often than not, um, then what you can do is wait till qualifying, see where everybody starts, and then you just start seeing who's starting in a normal position for themselves and then kind of match, mix and mix and match. Look at that. Look at practice. Same thing. Rinse and repeat, you know. So I'll come back with you with my uh, – with my with my analysis from Talladega, my picks from Talladega, um, stuff like that. And if you have any questions, please do not hesitate to ask. I'm going to post this on my Facebook page. Uh, I did change the name of the show. It was Cross Flags Fantasy Racing Weekly. I changed it to the J. Doug Show. Um, thanks to my daughter, that's what she wanted me to do. So that's going to be on Facebook. I will post the podcast there. I will post my picks there. So any questions, just ask, just just comment, uh, like the page. I'm here for you, and uh, we're going to go win some money. So I apologize about not being here. I'm going to finish out this season. We're going to hit next season real hard. We're going to win us some money. So peace out.